Welcome to the Whiskey Stories Podcast. Blending whiskey is like you're building that flavor profile with different components. It's a very, very different mindset to being an independent bowler. People tend to confuse being an independent bowler and being a blender. But it, it, it's a very different process. But with blending, it's more about building that flavor profile using the components that create the, 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 the flavor profile that you want. Welcome to the Whiskey Stories Podcast. Welcome back, one and all. It's myself, Graham Colgar. I'm joined in the back room of the Athletic Arms Diggers. We're in the dugout. Angus, the whiskey fan, is with me. How are you, Angus? I'm very well, thank you, Graham. Doing excellent, excellent. So, looking forward to having a few drums tonight. And the podcast will be noticeably quieter this evening as uh, Ross is actually away. Yeah, he's, he's freezing his bollocks off. <laughs> he's in Minnesota, currently minus 30 or something like that. At least minus 19, I think that's what I saw. Um, so, yeah, he's he's not not here, but here in spirit, Graham. I mean, the thing is, does he actually have a real fiancé? Is the big question. It's like, I'm a, my fiancé abroad. My fiancé abroad that he has to travel out there. Yeah, is, is he even in Minnesota? Nah, he's just taking a couple of weeks off, I think. He's, he's gone AWOL. If you're listening, Ross. I hope you're having a good good time. But we are joined because we do need somebody who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to whiskey. And we have officially our first whiskey couple on the podcast. We're joined by Woody and Megan of Woodrose in Edinburgh. How are we doing, guys? Oh, not too bad yourself. I like how you had to turn to, to Megan to find out, Woody, whether <laughs> you're, how you're getting on. <laughs> to check in. Megan, how are you? I'm grand, thanks. Good, good. <laughs> good, good. Aye, well, here we are. We're, we're in, like I say, this is welcome to Behind the Curtain with the Whiskey Stories podcast, the salubrious uh, place where we record our podcast. We've got the pub over on that side and we've got the gents' toilets over on that side. So if you hear any music or people having a bit of chat, a conversation is probably coming from there. And if you hear a hand dryer going off, uh, it's probably because someone's been in the toilet. <laughs> and at least it means that they've washed their hands. But yeah, so Woodrow's of Edinburgh, who are you? What do you do? Who are we? So um, we're an independent bottler. We're based in Edinburgh. Um, we've been going, we only launched a year and a half ago. Um, so it's been a bit of a whirlwind the last year, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah it's been crazy. Um, so, I mean, like, you've launched a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. Was that your first entrance into the whiskey industry? Um, well, for me it was, yes, but for Woody not so much. Um, we initially started, well, we both launched the company back in 2016 and we were doing beer export right. and gin export and a little bit of dabbling of whiskey. Um, but over time we sort of started focusing on whiskey more, just better product. So what were, you, what were you exporting and where were you exporting it to in terms of beer? Was it Scottish so beer it was, out? Yeah, so we had Scottish beer, so it was like Stuart Brewing, mm-hmm. um, Tempest Brewing. Yeah. Uh, going back like eight years, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Um, we had like Porter's Gin. Yeah. Uh, and Firkin Gin. Perkin Gin, yeah, that, that was how you met Derek, right? Yeah, that's how I met Derek, and then we move into, so I start doing a bit of distilling for him as well, so making the gin, uh, and then because they, they they trade casks, that's why I start like sort of dabble into the cask trading side. Okay. And then we, we bought our own first cask, and then we sold it and made a bit of profit, and that's how we start sort of buying and selling casks and service mostly other independent bowlers and overseas market 
uh, and then we start launching our we, we launched our first bottle in, in July 2022. Yeah, 2022. And that's so, so, so what was that first whiskey cast then? Can you remember? It was a 1991 Linkwood. Ooh. And back then it was still very affordable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, you're saying about back then it was very affordable. We, we're, we are interested in talking a little bit about that sort of the cask. Uh, the sort of cask ownership schemes that distilleries do, but also the cask uh, brokerage system and stuff like that as well, which you'll probably have a little bit of experience in by now. But I'm interested, like, where where were you initially uh, exporting goods to? Was it all around the world, or did you have a particular market that you were sending Scottish Scottish drinks and Scottish spirits and beers and stuff into? So back in the day when we founded our company, our company is actually called Eastland Alipa, which means Scotland eastwards. And that's because back then our company was focusing on exporting to Far East. Mm-hmm. So our targets were Taiwan, China, Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, brilliant. And like, Woody, you, you're not from Scotland. How you're... can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> you're, uh, you're from Hong Kong. That's right, yeah. And you travelled here to study it was it, was it at the Herrick Watt University you came here to study initially? Uh, initially it was Edinburgh University and the medical sciences undergraduate degree and then went on to do a master in, at Herrick Watt University for bringing this still in and yeah. So what what transferred you from medical science into the world of brewing and distilling then? I mean I enjoyed the science degree but I wasn't very good in the lab so I wasn't very accurate, particularly good at like research or anything like that. Which but is I was quite in- fundamentally important for medical science. <laughs> yeah, but if, if you're if you're dealing with whiskey, it's not as accurate. So it's no, more, so that's, it's, that's it's more of an art. If you muck it up, then it's an art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you get something wrong in whiskey, you can just claim it was. Uh, ah, exactly. put, put another zero on the price. No one's going to open the bottles. <laughs> Limited edition. Limited, Limited edition. edition. No one will open that. It could be absolutely right, but it's a collectible and no one's going to touch it. But I mean, it's, so you moved from Edinburgh University to Heritage Watt University. Heritage Watt University, incidentally, for anyone listening, very well known and very reputable for its brewing and distilling yeah, that, courses. Yeah, that, that course is kind of very well known and we've, we've, I'm sure we've had people on before who have at least flirted with that course if not been on it. I can't quite well, remember. I, um, I think if you pretty much, you know, a large amount of distilleries that you'll visit in Scotland mm-hmm. will have at least one person or so that's maybe been, been on that course and stuff like that. So brewing and distilling was it was it initially one or the other that you liked more? You, you're sitting here drinking a beer while we're all having drams. Was it was it the, was it the brewing side that you tried more, or was there one that you took to particularly a particular shining to? I think I have to say, yeah. I mean, I start off liking beer, especially craft beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I am not drinking a craft beer. I'm drinking a Foster just now. But uh, craft in Australia, crafted in Lancaster, yeah, but then I start 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 drinking quite a bit of whiskey, and then that's how I sort of got into it. Uh, yeah, I mean it's through it's through drinking, isn't it? We can sit here and talk and talk, and but it's all about actually drinking it. So yeah, and responsibly, we should also say, uh, please please drink your beers, whiskies, and whatever else you're drinking responsibly. But right, so so Megan then, Woody's he's studied medical science. Mm-hmm. Is that where you two met then? Uh, no, we met through a friend of a friend. Okay. But when we first met, we, I was one of the things we actually realised is we were both doing a very similar course because I also was doing medical sciences, mm-hmm. but I was two years behind. And were you better in the lab 
Yeah. <laughs> I stuck out a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. So you're better at that. Better at the research at the lab side of things. I think so. Match yeah. made in heaven then. Um, but uh, so, what was your intentions when you started out university? Did you see yourself being in a position where you're working as a, an independent bottler in Edinburgh, sending, uh, or did you even envisage being in a business where you were sending craft beers and other uh, other drinks? to the east of the world? No, not at all. No. When I was applying for university, I was like, i a scientist, I'm going to do a little science course, I'm going to sit in the lab, and I'm going to be pitting all day, and I was very excited about that. Yeah, and then you met Woody. And then I met Woody. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so, yeah, I'm really interested in this side. What made you guys suddenly make this decision then that we can start exporting products of Scotland, alcoholic products of Scotland, to the east of the world? Asia in particular. I mean... You met with Craft Beer Clan. Yeah, Craft Beer Clan, which is another company that does that. Um, so we know, what we noticed is that there's a, there was a craft beer trend happening in um, sort of an export market. Um, and we think, we've, well, we, th- we know that Scottish brewing is, itself is a very... A, Scottish, Scottish, Scotland is very good at brewing beer. Are we? <laughs> We're good at beer and whiskey. Well, I mean, my, 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 my triple of choice here is, is the kind of the Stuart Brewing, um, the, the, the diggers, uh, heavy uh, eight shilling as well. I'm very, very nice, uh, you know, if I don't say so myself, very nice pint of beer. Um, and I know, you know, Stuart Brewing have kind of won all sorts of awards as well. So, you know, straight away there's a kind of, you know, on our doorstep, they're only kind of out near straight in Artney. So there's this kind of craft brewer in Scotland that have won kind of all sorts of accolades. So immediately there you've got a marketable product. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no, 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 very, very interesting. But <laughs> I was going to ask you, so like growing up, were, were, were you a whiskey drinker or were relatives of yours whiskey drinkers? Did you grow up in that environment of having kind of whiskey around you when you were younger? Because I mean, a lot of people that we've had on, you know, their, their father was a whiskey drinker and that's how they got into whiskey. Or was it something that happened only when you were over here and, you know, involved in the whiskey and the brewing industry? Uh, so I don't think I was particularly surrounded by whiskey growing up. Mm. I mean, yeah, I'm from Hong Kong and like we're more white spirit and red wine kind of yeah. kind of culture, if that makes sense. And mm. then so yeah, red wine and coke is what I used to drink when I was red wine and coke. Well. <laughs> what more my dad know. gave me? <laughs> uh, or Sprite, red wine and Sprite. Wine, 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 I did not know this about you. Uh, yeah. Oh dear. So, <laughs> so yeah, the whiskey came later after yeah, I yeah. came to this country. Right, I think. Okay. Yeah. What about yourself, Megan? What what was what was? Uh, did well, you did you have an introduction to whiskey before you got involved in the industry, or was it something that you've? It's fallen on your lap, so to speak. No, I mean, growing up, I was a vodka drinker, of course. Okay. It's you were talking about. So you're having straight vodka and he's having wine and Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. I mean, where I grew up, we used to put the vodka shots in the eye, so you get drunk faster. You do that in the park. You drink know. responsibly. Drink responsibly, yes. <laughs> you're, you're clearly a whiskey drinker now. You've got yeah. two nice, lovely drams in front of you. Was of there, Was there a moment where whiskey, you, 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 you started drinking it, I think? Was there a yeah. moment at all? Um, so it was... More recent than you'd think, because I 
after I'd finished university, I actually was teetotal for about five years. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, and then I had a lag of ruling. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's quite something to break the fast then. Yeah. I was like, oh, I actually quite like it. <laughs> so where did you have your lag of ruling then? Was here in Diggers. Here in Diggers. Uh, yeah. So it was we coming like, here to Diggers, yeah. teetotal for five years. Mm-hmm. I'll have a lag of ruling. I'll have a lag of ruling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> Some sort of crisis. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, lag of ruling, that was what got me into it. Brilliant. Well, we've got drums in front of us as Angus has mentioned right now do, yeah. what are we drinking Angus you and I are we're, we're <laughs> on brand because we're, we're on brand so we, want we are to... looking for I don't know if you've heard we are looking for sponsors uh, of the Whiskey Stories <laughs> podcast <laughs> so we decided of all the over 700 whiskies on the back wall that Kev has at Diggers the ones that really stood out for us Angus was that sort of maroony label that nice bottle and we're going Woodrose of Edinburgh. Yeah. What a better dram to have tonight. So yeah, we are looking for sponsorship, Woody. It's a nice hoodie you've got on there. <laughs> you've turned up with a nice jacket. We could have wee branded ones, Whiskey Stories podcast, Woodrose of Edinburgh. That looks quite nice. Yeah. But anyway, Angus, what are we drinking? Absolutely. So this is a I've got in my hand right now, a fifteen year old um Pulteney. So yeah, very, very nice. Uh, I'm a big fan of Pulteney, as you know, Graham. Yeah. Um Nice briny whiskey, maritiminess, mm-hmm. but but this one's got a bit of sweetness um, to it, isn't it? Bit of sweetness, but a bit different from you know. I'm very familiar with the the twelve year old the kind of standard bottling, but this is Aye. this is yeah. It takes it that wee bit further, and you know, just a wee bit more sweetness. Yeah, and the, the, and the one I haven't tried is is it a fourteen year old? Was that right? The Glenallachie. Uh, the Glenallachie, yes. So. Um, I don't think I've ever tried an independently bottled Glenallachie before. I haven't tried an independent. I've tried. Uh, uh, I'd be interested to try this. The only independent bottle bottled Glenallachie I've had was I was once in a co-op and I saw a Glenallachie and it was a pre Billy Walker. It wasn't a Woodrow's one though, was it? No, it was. No, a, we are not in co-op. Now. It, was a, it, was a, it was a non-age statement pre Billy Walker Glenallachie. Mm. It was totally ordinary but it was very interesting because obviously we know what has happened at Glenallachie since Thanks, yeah. but this was quite interesting because it was almost I think it was I kind of looked it up because I bought it about two years ago but I think it had been released originally about four or five years ago yeah. and it had just been leftover stock I think somewhere <laughs> well, um, but it was it was uh, you know I, I kind of saw it and immediately I was just like I have to just try this but um, well we picked these both Megan advised us because we decided we'd go one sort of bourbon cask which is the Pulteney mm-hmm. and we'll go one sherried which is pretty standard with Glenallachie isn't it but yeah. I'm having just tried both very very nice very nice ramps and Megan what are you you decided I'm not going all the way to this pub to try our own whiskey yeah. <laughs> what, what have you gone for I've got one of each you've got one of each so I've got my Glen Scotia yeah. I can't remember what one it was I just asked them for the cheapest that they've got so okay. I think it was just a 10 year old Glen Scotia I think it was uh, yeah. you're actually, you're actually if, drinking something I have a bottle of at home <laughs> if, uh, well the <laughs> thing is Megan you know, we always like to treat our guests that come mm. here and I very much appreciate you going for the cheapest dram that you could have um, particularly because we don't have a sponsor at the, mo- <laughs> at the moment <laughs> so the, the Whiskey Stories podcast budget is quite tight at the moment so thank you very much you've got a Glen Scotia pretty much standard yeah I love Glen Scotia though, it's one yeah. of my faves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went for a Woodrow's Williamson. Woodrow's Williamson, so tell us about Williamson. I've never really heard of Williamson then. What kind of, what is it? Oh, it's a Laphroaig. A Laphroaig, right, okay. Yeah, right, so. it's the um, stock that they release for the blending stock. So it's oh, like wow. not officially bottled by Laphroaig, it's usually a Williamson. Which oh, is, really? It's not a teaspoon or anything, it's just solid. 
So then, like, this is exactly why we need an expert of whiskey on the podcast because so, we would never yeah. have known that. So on the bottle it says Williamson. There's yes. no mention of Laphroaig. No. But it's named after Betsy Williamson. Ah. So yeah. who's Betsy Williamson? Uh, she was the distillery manager back in oh, I want to say thirties and forties. Oh right. I think she was the first female. Uh, I think it, I think she was there during. World War Two. She was definitely there during World War Two. Yeah. So she was what, what the, possibly the first female distillery manager in the industry. I think Betsy Williamson yeah, at Lafroy. Yeah, she yeah. worked Brilliant. her way up, and then she was given the distillery by the owners, and and she was the one that did really well during the U.S. prohibition by marketing single malt as a medicine. <laughs> and of course, being Lafroy, it tastes a bit like a medicine as well sometimes. Betsy Williams, yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, this is a whiskey story yeah. that we, we would want to hear. That's the kind of stuff yeah, that we're after. So that's and, fantastic. And I know as well, I mean, from tapping into, there was a bit of prohibition chat last week, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, one, one thing I do remember from, you know, reading up about prohibition and so forth is, it, yeah, medicine or claiming things were medicinal was a... You know, you, you think your tonic wine, you know, that literally yeah. was a, you know, fortified wine people claimed that, you know, had medicinal benefits. Same with these kind of, you know, whiskey as well. It was, it was it's marketed as that. Well, that's, that's what we t- that's what we say. This is, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's a big thing. Mental health is a big thing and it should never be laughed at and stuff like that. And one of the things that they say the best medicine for mental health is often just spending some time with your pals and, and the sharing and sharing is caring and, Every single week we get to come in here, we get to sit down, we get to... Angus and I, we did the Old Pals episode a few weeks ago with Fraser Soonis. Angus and I have known each other for 24 years and there's sometimes nothing better than coming into this pub, being able to sit down, share a few drams and have a good old gab and everything like that. So if anybody does ask, this is medicinal. (laughs) And the thing is as well, there's nothing better than meeting new people and learning new things about that. So even tonight already, we're only just over 15 minutes in. Betty Williamson, we know all about her now. And that's a great, (laughs) great story. So that's what you've got there. So I'm guessing from the fact that uh, you're you're keen on your smoky whiskeys then you're you like that sort of flavour profile there? I mean, that's how I started, mm. but now I like it all. You like it all, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and in a way, that that's almost quite similar to how I really started liking whiskey because for me, like, you know, I've already told this story on the podcast, it was a trip to Isla during COVID that kind of really sparked my interest. And I came back with, um, it was an Ardbeg Anno. And, it, and that was just, I just could not mind. stop, blowed your mind, but I could not stop drinking it. And it did was just, from, you know, I'd already had a bit of a liking to whiskey, but... Did it, you go it, to Isla to check your eyesight? No. Aye. <laughs> 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 now, Woody, you're sipping on a, a, an English lager that sells itself as Australian. So if you were sitting with a dram, what would you be your sort of go-to dram tonight? What would you be having? It will probably be a rose, I owe. 12, I think. 12? Oh, yeah. Rose we've had the Rose 12. Um, it was. I think maybe even on one of the earlier episodes we had that. Um, that's very nice. That's one of my favourite things that I've probably tried in the last sort of six months. Um, that's fantastic. Um, it's kind of, I think it was Ross was saying, it was, we, we shouldn't really like it. Gets it gets a bit of a rep, doesn't we, it? We shouldn't really like <laughs> this and it shouldn't be good, but it, it just is. Ah, it's got um, a bit of a rep because it's, well, I mean, it's, 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 that's a Diageo. It's yeah. yeah release, isn't it's, it? It's a Diageo release, and it's the big, 
new Diageo distillery that's very much seems to be focused on volume. Mm. I think um, it's the fifth biggest malt yeah, distillery. It's I think it's producing a very large amount of liquid. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a monster. It's a monster. I, but hey, listen, if the liquid's good, eh? at the end yeah. of the day, that's what it's all about. But it's quite funny because I actually remember it's years and years ago when I was first seeing my current girlfriend, fiance, uh, <laughs> current, my current, <laughs> well, if you're listening, Laura, keep her on her toes, uh, <laughs> current fiance, current fiance. <laughs> your uh, first fiance, so, when she first came uh, to Harrington to visit the kind of, you know, the family and all that, I took her to, um, this shows how long we've been together actually, I took her to Glenkinchy, uh, Glen rather, and the yeah. guy going around Glenkinchy said, oh, there's this big distillery that's just been built up in Murray and it's going to be a monster and right. that's where the malt's going to come in the future and it's got everything up there and it's it's huge. And I was, I, I remembered that fact, completely <laughs> forgot about it. And then when I tried Rosa, I'll tell that's you what he was talking about. That's where he, that must have been what he was talking about. Right, there yeah. you go. There so you go. go. So uh, going into the whiskey side of things then, what made you buy a cask of whiskey? Um, so I think I think price, I think price is what what, what the determining fa- factor. Whether you bottle it for Woodrow's of Edinburgh bottles and has to work, the price has to work, and or if you're selling it to another independent bottler, then the price has to work as well. Yeah, so, but what what I mean is your first cask, that liquid that you uh, bought. Right. What was what was the point? How did that come ac- come across your lap? What was the decision where you said, "I'm going to buy that"? Uh, it was offered to me by someone that I, someone that I'm quite friend pally with, um, and I haven't tasted it. Like I didn't I didn't taste it before I bought it. Um, so so yeah. So what we call it, we bought it by blind. Yeah. Um, and. It was good price. <laughs> a good price. He likes a bargain. Is that why? Is that why it was? I mean, it was kind of an impulsive decision because I, I think I was home and you just came home and you're like, "I'm going to buy a cask." And was that? And yeah. I was like, "What?" When was that then? What? We're, we're, you started the business what 2016, yeah. right? And um, where about in the in the business was it? Was it at the start of the business or was this after the business has been going or were you? It was, Oof, two I, or three years in, I think. Yeah, I think it was 2019, maybe. So it was quite recent, fairly recent. Yeah, but at the same That's time, five it, years ago. it was. But in, it? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but in the world of uh, in the world, <laughs> and I will I will use this term lightly because there'll be people listening that maybe go eh, and maybe even yourself, in the murky world, of cask brokerage buying and selling casks and stuff like that that's early because what we've seen is since COVID-19 there's been a massive influx of cask brokers Mm -hmm. uh, people that are selling casks there seems to be so many casks up for sale up for grabs we're now seeing adverts for oh increase your you know 30% 40% double your money all this kind of stuff and and of course one of the big scary things is you know, it, it technically is an unregulated market when you look in the world of investment because people are buying. Was it bought as an investment? Was it bought for a bit of fun? Was it bought to let's buy it and see what we do? You've already said that you, you, you did sell it and you made a decent profit on it. But what was the intention at the time when that when you got offered? Um, it was it was to 
it was to offer it out back to in, uh, some other independent bottler. So it was a sort of investment sort of opportunity yeah, potentially. Yeah, so it's kind of buying in as a, a stock, so taking ownership of the cask and then and then get a sample drawn and then send a sample to the independent bottler, to the potential buyers, okay. if they request it. So and, and, and so instead of brokering casks, we're sort of wanting to move into buying and selling. Yeah. That allows us to have a bit more um, sort of control over our stock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that's a fundamental of it, isn't it? It's like, you know, you've bought it and then you've had to go through, I mean, from my very naive understanding of it, the ownership of a cask depends on having to get the right paperwork, a wowger or something, which is like warehousing and goods. Regulation, Regulation yeah. yeah. So, so, and this is one of the things for people who are looking at investing into casks, and we do want to speak to other cask brokers who, who, you know, we, we're looking to speak to George Keebles is going to be coming on very soon and stuff like that, um, and his partner Rachel, they're going to be coming on to talk about, it, but because I know that he's been quite outspoken about the world of cask brokerage and stuff like that as well. But I think one of the things that people have to remember, and I think I want to get this absolute spot, you might be able to understand it a little bit more and or help out as well is the fact that you'll never actually officially own a cask of whiskey unless you have the wowger that you're able to take full ownership of it. So when you go through a brokerage firm, they're custodians of your cask effectively, whereas that cask will never be in your specific name unless you have the correct HMRC documentation. And then you can start doing what Woody's talking about and saying, draw a sample, even take the cask away, move the cask, bottle the cask, all these kind of things. Is that, would that be a correct, fair assessment of it? That's, that's accurate, yes. Um, I mean, if some people do buy casks as a, as a, for their personal use, um, and you can own a cask without the Wowgers approval from HMRC, but then you, ha- you, you can be a revenue trader. So you, you can sell it and generate revenue um, uh, if you want to own a cask. Uh, and so Angus could buy a cask, oh. put it in his living room, right? <laughs> to get away, like, stick it in his living room. He'll never sell it, but because he's fed up of buying bottles, he's just going to make a big purchase, get a nice big hog's head in the living room, and just every Friday night take the bung out and get a wee drink. Megan, you're shaking your head. You can't do that. Unfortunately, not. You need a certain approval uh, to be able to mature in wood. So Angus could buy the cask. Emptying a, a, a IBC, container, an IBC. Pays duty on it. Pays duty, yeah. Pays yeah. duty on it as well. So once it leaves the warehouse, see, this is the thing is, there is so much, so much information out there that so many people don't actually understand. So when they do come across somebody offering them what would probably be a very lucrative, sounds like a lucrative whiskey investment, it's a nice big cask, and you get told, like, see when you try and sell this on, you're going to make, if you keep it for five years, you'll probably double your money if you do this, if you do that. Yeah, that was a f- number, full f- f- thing about it, 583% or something. Uh, and that's why, that's why you, you turned up in a Lamborghini each. And yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> You've got plenty of money to stick it to the Whiskey Stories podcast. Let me tell you, we will not be getting sponsorship off anybody who's... Uh, a broker, a whiskey gas broker, <laughs> that's for sure. But I think it's very important because we've seen it a lot in the last six months. You know, there's been a lot of people outspoken on this subject. Mm-hmm. And I think it must be very frustrating for people like yourselves who are working in the industry to buy and sell casks on the, I don't want to say the legitimate purposes, but you're buying and selling casks 
on a business basis yeah. where you're saying, what we, we have a plan. Our plan is we'll... Now, you might sell casks to, to raise cash flow or capital, which would help you continue to buy other casks. But what we also know is that your full intention is to go, when we get casks, we are going to be putting them in glass and we're going to be selling them to trade or people that can buy them. Correct? Yeah, I think we're slowly jumping away from, moving away from sort of cast trade and, and into in the more focus on the independent ball and growing the brand. Um, and we are doing a blend as well, so there's a blend coming out. Okay. Uh, a a, wood ro- a yeah. warehouse blend. Because this is something I was going to ask you because I, it was on your website earlier on today having a look and it said, the first, literally the first thing is blender. And as far as I could tell, I couldn't see any oh, wood. Angus trading standards is getting <laughs> on. <laughs> I, I couldn't see any wood was blended release, so I wondered... Um, Don't tell me anything. So we've done one release so far. Oh, have you? For, Sorry, that must have escaped my attention. It was for, who's it? For, for Cork and Cass. Cork and Cass. Yeah, for yeah. Cork and Cass oh, in Edinburgh. Yeah, in so Marchman. up in um, uh, Marchmont. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was a charity blend. But we also mm-hmm. do blendings for other bowlers. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we... We, we, yeah, that's and and is that something you both do yourselves then? When you, when it comes to blending, of you, 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 I'm still learning. You're still learning. <laughs> I'm so still it, learning. You know, you're going to have to be the one that does it probably because, as he said, he's useless yeah. in the uh, in the lab. No good with the research. It's art. It's art. Is that what it is? It's is a that? marriage of science and art. Uh, it, it certainly is. I mean, we've had we've had you know a friend of the show and also friend, mutual friend of ours, uh, Greg Urker on, and Greg. Greg explained the process perfectly, summed it up, where he says, like, when it comes to blending, you're making a flavour. Like, yeah. you're able to say, right, we can start with this, we can add something that's been in that cask, we can add a bit of smoke to it, we can add a little bit, of, we can add something, and you, then you've got the use, if you want to use it, or what a lot of people like to use, is you've got the grain whiskey that can set, mellow it down or keep mm. it consistent. Bulk it up. And bulk it, yeah, bulk <laughs> it up, exactly, yeah. But at the same time, like, that is fun. Like when you get the I mean we've talked and talked and talked on this podcast, Angus, about mm. the perceptions of blends in people's minds where they're like, Ugh, you'll get so many people that'll turn that away, blend, blend, blend. We've had quite a few blends even feature even in the last week's episode it was a Valentine's nineteen eighties blended whiskey that was yep. featured as one of the what three drams for uh, Simon Smith on the last on the last episode. And it was like, you know, I think there's so many misconceptions about Blends. We've actually had a mutual friend of ours, Angus, that couldn't believe that there was nothing other than whiskey put into a blend. So his his idea was blends were so rubbish, and blends were treated so rubbish because they put all the other stuff in it that they don't know. And he had no idea. And then I tried to explain. I'm like, do you know what a, a single malt or a malt blend is? Mm-hmm. No, no. It's it's just a blend of whiskey where they've taken single malt, which. This person, particular person, seemed to think single malt, he just put it on a pedestal. Single malt's up here. If it's not single malt, it's crap. And that's the, that's the problem. But when you actually look at the process of blending whiskey, I mean, I'm jealous. It's fun to be able to go in there, sample, 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 and go, that's the art bit where you get the flavours approach. Mm-hmm. Then the science bit will go, now we need to work out the measurements mm-hmm. to put it on at full scale. So that must be a really exciting project to be working on and looking forward to having your own blend coming out very soon. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, like like blending, blending whiskey is like you're building that flavour profile with different components. Um, and it's a very, very different mindset to being an independent bottler. I think 
some some sometimes people tend to confuse being independent bowler and being a blender. It's like the same thing because you're you're a whiskey brand and you release different, but it, it, it it's a very different process. So independent bowler, you go and select a single cask or or a batch of cask, but you, in our case, it's a single cask, and and you 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 you, you get what you get. You, know, you yeah. buy a cast and then you get what you get. Right, you can't change you the can, flavor. You can re-rack it. You can re-rack it. Right, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And, and, but with blending, it's more about building that flavor profile using the components um, that create the, 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 the flavor profile that you want. Yeah. Um, and you can't really focus on too much on individual distilleries. I think Greg mentioned this. Mm. Um, he put it very well. Um you, you, because sometimes the components are not assess, accessible. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. You can you can source particular component and you have to replace it with some another single malt or another grain. So it ha- so you have to have a bit more open minded open mindedness to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to like the interesting thing is we had Jan Jan Damon on yep. the podcast at one of the earlier episodes and he was talking about his time at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. Mm-hmm. And you know they're a massive indie bottler, mm-hmm. and we were asking about what sort of levels of bottling are they doing? Like how many casks are they? Are they bottling? still indie? Fair point. But, but, but I mean, for the benefit of uh, you know right. keeping everyone happy because we are looking for sponsors, um, <laughs> <laughs> they're a great organisation. <laughs> oh, their whiskies are fantastic. But yeah. the point is, the level, the levels that he explained to us of how many casks they are. Mm-hmm putting into glass on a monthly basis it's, yeah. it's enormous yeah. now take it to yourselves who are an indie bottler then yeah you're happy with that would you yeah yeah good right <laughs> what kind of volume are you looking at on a and is it month by month or is it yearly what kind of volume are you looking at bottling like how many casks for example in 2023 roughly speaking how many casks were you emptying and putting in the bottles in. We did about 10, I think. We, yeah, we did about but 10. We're planning to increase the production. Yeah. Um, for the first year, we were sort of just releasing like three every quarter. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping to increase that. We'll still do it every quarter. And are you looking at, what, what bottle numbers is, are you looking at there? So I mean, <laughs> oh, okay. roughly out of a hogshead, you're looking yeah, at what? 300. 300. 300. And so you'll, Will they all be bottled under Woodrose labels, or will you bottle like maybe hundred bottles for Woodrose and have an another mm. bottle like you mentioned about doing bot- specific bottlings for other companies like Cask and Barrel or other pubs or anything like that? Is that something that you would do as well? Um, so far, it's all been hundred percent. Like what we bottled has been for our for our without good. Yeah. Uh, Brilliant. But I can't see what we'll do in the future. I don't know. No, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it might change. You might have the odd one, but I mean, we do focus like when we bottle. I think ninety nine percent of the time it will be one hundred percent the cask goes to withdraw. And where where can people find like we've looked online? I want to ask you about hashtag it's no pish uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute. But it, it's really really interesting mm. that. You know, when you look on your website, how many places your bottles have managed to get into it, which yeah, is all over Scotland. So, Are we? yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you look at the list of stockists, you know, I mean, big, big whiskey shops that I know up in Inverary, um, you know, Cork and Cask in Edinburgh, um, down in London as well, down in London, down at Melroy's. So, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of um, 
whiskey shops. You get yourself a boot. Get yourself. And, and, and I've seen your bottles in these places as well. So you know you're very very visible um, as a brand. I would say. <laughs> so I mean, are you, you know, because is it just the two of you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have we have a pal that helps us with bowling for every every now and then. Yeah. But so I mean, we have a couple of investors coming on board. Yeah. Aye, well, that's exciting then. But mm-hmm. I mean, the other side of it is so. I mean, as well as sourcing the casks, mm-hmm. as well as managing the casks, mm-hmm. then bottling the casks. How do you manage to get yourselves out there so that people like Kevin here at Diggers? I mean, he's got quite a few bottles of yours behind the bar. Mm-hmm. You've got. You're into shops. You're down in London. How are people? How how do you get yourselves into these places, or is it they're coming to you to to purchase your stock or anything like that? Um, yeah, it's a bit of both. So we we do a lot of whiskey shows, whiskey festivals, uh, yeah. or, like on you know weekends and stuff. Um, and and if we hit a city and because we let we try to tend to let the spirit speak for itself. Yeah, which we think is like the most important thing is that you have good liquid. Basically, what you're saying is our marketing is pish. Yeah, <laughs> pish. <It> is pish. <laughs> well, I'm no marketeer, but I tell you what, if I was in your shoes, I'd be putting my name all over a whiskey podcast. <laughs> you're going to get sick of that soon. But, I mean, I think, right, well, it's no pish. Hashtag it's no pish. On that subject, then, what, what, where did that come from? What is that? What's the meaning behind it then? I was in the warehouse one day and I was bored and I was like, right, think of something to say. Uh, yeah, and, and that sort of just came up. Uh, so you're, you're it, mainly it stemmed from the, the fact that I really don't like people saying whiskey, rare, limited edition, you know, like this is like one of how many bottles. I'm not a big fan of that because, uh, I, you know, it, it's, a, it's a whiskey. Uh, it's for drinking. 100%. Uh, uh, so... So that's that's sort of the, the best way to put it is that it's no push. It's just, it's a good whiskey. Just drink it. <laughs> just drink just, it. Just yeah. drink it. Aye. Aye. Instead of make, just do it. Just drink it responsibly. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we don't we don't want to be all fancy and and spend loads of money on the labels or marketing. We just try to keep it simple, very good liquid, reasonable price, and um, about the labels. When we first went into the design. The designing the labels, my vision was pretty much like I don't know if you know Whiskey Broker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the, the, before they rebrand the labels, that was the sort of the, 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 the style that I was going for. Okay. But then the designer was like, "Nah, you're not doing that." Really? <laughs> yeah. So it was a designer that. So I mean, I'm looking. First of all, I mean the labels are very clear and stuff like that. But Woodrose, where did that come from? Uh. It's named after me, Woody. Woody. Woody? Yeah. But is your is Woody short for Woodrow? No, just uh, so. Do you know so, why he's called Woody? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so in Hong Kong, he, or, he was born with his Chinese name, mm-hmm. and when what's your Chinese name? Sorry. Uh, Cheng Hong. Cheng Hong. <laughs> Very good. And when you were about four, your mom asked what you wanted your English name to be, and he'd just been watching Toy Story. <laughs> So they yeah. came out with Woody. That was it. That's why it's called Woody. Yeah. Go and uh, lift your shoe up and see if you've got Andy written on the shoe. <laughs> 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 well, uh, so, so that's why you're called Woody. Yeah. No, that's right. Uh, yeah. uh, so, but yeah, we came out with Woodrose. So Woodrose is basic. So uh, there's nothing like Woodrose in a place or anything like that. It was Ooh. literally just you decided Woodrose sounds sounds good. We spent a long time coming with names, didn't we? Yeah, we we came out with a few na- few other names, what, but what were the other contenders? <laughs> Uh, we've got the Whiskey Purveyor of Edinburgh, 
uh, and the intellectual property office said you can't do that <laughs> because uh. there are more than one whiskey purveyor right. in Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we came. So yeah. So eventually we're we're going for Woodies of Edinburgh, uh, and then that uh, Woodrose is better. Woodrose. So Woodrose we were in Edinburgh. Tidying up the kitchen. Weren't yeah, we? I was doing, doing dishes when I came out with that. <laughs> well, uh, this is the other thing. We talked about it with Jan, and we talked because Jan now works with a single cask, and um, obviously Greg as well through Glenmore Spirits, and it's like. These are the things we've talked about, Angus, is that mm. you can look at, if, if, if somebody today decided, I'm going to set up myself as an independent bottler, I mean, number one, the capital to buy a cask. Now, that's the thing. I've said it before, say it again, you buy a cask and then you think, right, I'm going to bottle that. You need to pay your duty on it, yep. right? <laughs> then you need to pay for the bottles. For a, this is, a, I believe, again, my, 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 my homework I've been doing this is a is this a tall round? Yep, that's, there a, that's you go. the standard so hold tall round, seven hundred mil. I'm holding a bottle. If anyone, uh, I can, I'm holding a bottle of. If you're listening, of one of the empty bottles that are behind us in the in the back room. A wee bit in there. And there's still a wee bit in there. I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to sample it because I don't know what is what that wee bit is, but it does look very whiskey-ish. Um, it's an empty bottle or a semi-empty bottle of uh, Woodrose of Edinburgh, Isla Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, eleven-year-old Boonahabin Distillery. Uh, refill hogshead finished in a first fill or also sherry American oak hogshead sounds very very tasty actually but so this is a tall round bottle yep what's it cost to buy a load of these what are you looking at I mean you'll have to but there'll be a minimum order as well I suppose yeah, to I buy a pallet the minimum order is a pallet I think it's like a thousand unit just over a thousand unit and we're looking at probably about I think 50 70 pence 70 pence for a thousand yeah, so, yeah, for, f- between... Not for a thousand. No. <laughs> per unit. 70, <laughs> 70, 70 pence per unit for a thousand. Oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, is anyone here good at maths? Because <laughs> my brain has just got completely black. That's a fair bit of cash to go okay. Now, and you're, and you're, if you've only got one cask and it's maybe 300 bottles, what are you going to do with the other 700 bottles? Yeah, when that's it, usually the problem. But then a lot of the contract bottlers, a lot, uh, we are we also bottle for, for, bottle for other people as yeah. well. Um, but a lot of contract bottlers supply glass bottles. So you so just buy part, them by the bottle. Yeah. And then, but then the other thing is like, it's a cork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a cork cost? Uh, 30 pence. 30 pence per cork. How many do you have to buy of that? That's 2,000. You buy a case. <laughs> And then, then cap shoes, foil cap shoes. Foil cap, yeah. I think that's uh, 20 pence. And then you've got front and back labelling. Yeah, labels are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> labels are surprisingly expensive. So, so straight away, Angus, we've, went and we've gone half hours on our, on, on our savings. Uh, we've bought a nice big fat hog's head of something, right, that we're paying storage for. Yep. We're now going to look at bottling it, so we need to pay the duty on top of it. What's it, eighteen pounds seventy-five pence per litre of alcohol or something like that? No, it's 30, 31 pounds something per Th- litre. Yeah. Thirty-one pound per litre of alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so suddenly then you're looking at what two hundred and fifty litres of whiskey at fifty. Let's just say for easy counting, fifty percent. Mm. That's seventy-five litres of alcohol times. 30 odd pound yeah then you've got your bottles then you've got your labels yeah and then you then once we go through all that angus with our whiskey stories podcast independently bottled at woodrose of edinburgh (laughs) (laughs) available for all good listeners once we've gone through all that we then need to try and sell it 
Yeah. And then, because your back room is going to be full of, <laughs> of, of all these bottles, it's going to be like Del Boys. Oh, it's going to be like Del Boys flat. Uh, and we've got to try and we've got to try and flog this stuff. So you need marketing. You need to be going out. You need licensing as well. You need right? enough. Oh, it's well, it's hard enough. You need to get licenses. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you need the you need alcohol licenses to, to, ah, to do off trade sales. You need mm-hmm. AWRS for alcohol wholesale. Um, yeah, so we need all that. And if anybody over in India or Asia wants to buy our bottles, then we need to find someone that can export it and pay the tax on that and all the yeah. different things that you need to do. Yeah. Goodness me. I know. It makes you wonder if it's all worth it. Well, this is the thing, and I think this is. I think it's important for people because you know I've sat there during COVID. You know, when you're in a, a lockdown haze and you're thinking, what am I going to do? And I'm thinking, I could, I could bottle whiskey. I could get into that. <laughs> And you suddenly start thinking and you're looking, oh, there's, there's a cast for five grand. You know, I take that on, give it a couple of years, bottle it. I'll be looking at 85 to 90 pound per bottle. That'll work out at how much more money I'll make on it. And then you don't forget, you don't realise. You know about the Wauga, you know about this, you know about that, you know about the yeah. licence. <laughs> and then the really interesting thing, which I've found through working on another project, which you guys were actually involved in, is what detail needs to be on the label yeah because everything's got to be done in a particular way hasn't it particularly even with some of the deals that you'll maybe get casks through from distilleries direct some <laughs> distilleries might say you can have this liquid but we don't want you to put our distillery name on it yeah so there are loads of different sort of um, like there's 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 the distillery stock so you can put a distillery name on it there's the blending stock so, for example, a Williamson is essentially a Lafroig or sometimes a teaspoon Lafroig. So uh, this is where they'll put a teaspoon of something else yeah. into the cask, so you officially can't say this is a cask of Lafroig. So yeah. they'll put a teaspoon well, of something yeah. else into yeah. so, the Lafroig so, cask. So, so, so yeah. I think, for example, if you sometimes, you know, I, uh, people have teaspoons or teaspoon casks of Glenfinnick, and the teaspoon is. Balvenie. Yeah. So they put the teaspoon of Balvenie into the cask of yeah. Glenfiddich. So you can't then say market so like, that and say I've got Glenfiddich because you don't. You've got Glenfiddich with a teaspoon of Balvenie in it. Yeah. And sometimes they don't do teaspoon. I mean, it really depends on. I mean, like, I, if you ask me, I don't think that they actually physically teaspoon it. I think it's more they just paperwork they, exercise. They just say they have. Yeah. Uh, but we just base our sort of we base we base the the category of the whiskey on the paperwork that came in from the dispatching warehouse. The uh, delivery order. Yeah, and then the yeah, something called EMCS, which is like a, a excise movement control system. Oh, tell me more, <laughs> I love all that. <laughs> That's got different tariff code for different oh, different different whiskey. Paperwork. Fun chat, fun yeah. chat. So anyway. Who uh, deals with the paperwork on this? Well, that'll be me. You're yeah. the paperwork. At the moment, at the moment, because I'm still um, doing my full-time job at the moment. So what's I, your full-time job? I'm a neuroscientist. You're a... Right. You are in the lab. Uh, only for another month. <laughs> so you're I'm a neuros- in my notice. So. Oh, so you're, and you're going to go full-time withdrawals. Mm-hmm, yeah. So you're a neuroscientist by day and a whiskey bottler. By night and weekends. Weekends. <laughs> yeah. Slash it's like, sometimes, I mean, everybody should know, sometimes when I'm at work, I'm just like... Email this. Uh, right. You've handed your notice soon. Yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> so, uh, I'll just work. So, like today, I just went up to the top floor and just sat and did business for two hours. Oh, very <laughs> and good. then packed, came back down to the office and pretended I was there the whole time. Just done a brain surgery. <laughs> what are they so, do? so, I mean, the, now, <laughs> the, the interesting thing is then, right, on this front, 
um, when it looks at the, I mean, the day-to-day mm. side of things, obviously you're working most of the day anyway. Um, so, Woody, what what does a day in the life of a whiskey bottler actually look like for you in terms of when it's busy? I mean, you're, you're talking about 10, bo- 10 bottlings over the last year, you want to expand on that, so there must be slow days when you're having to go through all your EMCS forms and all this kind of stuff, but when it's busy, what's it look like? Um, the, well, the bottlings will be going on in the background, we'll be having to check some of the spirits in the warehouse, uh, and then just answering people's emails, trying to deal with the requests that they have for particular bottlings, they'll send the bottling form, request form, so we, uh, and we have to deal with that, answer any questions. But from a cast to glass situation, right? right? Do you get the casks physically in your bottling plant, or do they come in and in what we mentioned, like these IBCs, these big containers and stuff like that? Uh, so yeah, so they will be coming in in casks. Uh, we'll empty, we'll fil- we'll filter it, we'll pump it through a filter into a drum or IBC. Um, and then so we'll for people listening, an IBC, everyone will have seen these things. They're the big plastic white uh, containers, take a thousand liters or something. I can't remember what IBC actually says. It's so. intermediate bulk. Container. Oh, was he? He knows his stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. But an intermediate bulk container, an IBC, it's like a palletized white plastic thing that bulk container that can hold liquid in it. So you've got so so you'll put that from the cask. It goes through a filter yeah. into the IBC. Then from where from there, where does it go? It it just goes through the uh, bottling machine and into the straight into the glass. So in your bottling machine. You know, we've maybe all seen these videos that you see. Of, I guess you've seen like Inside Diageo. the factory, or yeah, bottle after oh, bottle after it's bottle not after like bottle. That. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> we we hear about uh, you know this this maybe at the big production centres at Diageo. I think it's maybe the one in Leaven or big bottling plant or yeah. Cameron Bridges or that. <laughs> they always say, "No, we can bottle X amount per minute or yeah. or per per hour." What are we talking here for to get through three hundred bottles? How long would that take? Is it hand? Is it hand filling? Hand yeah. So so it's a it's a forehead. Uh, it's got four filling heads, and it's uh, it's done uh, under a vacuum, so it it draws out the air, and then the liquor goes in. It takes uh, about four hours to do three hundred bottles. I would say. Right. So, are, you, are you hand putting the labels on yourselves? Or? We've got a little machine. Uh, a We've machine. got labelling. It's interesting machine. you say forehead. You see Angus's hairline. He's got a five head. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never say that. But now look. So anyway. Can one person do that themselves? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you'll go in four bottles onto that. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like one of these situations where you're trying to juggle that bottle and meanwhile that bottle's pouring out or anything like that. It's a bit like that. Really? It's, it's got, it's got yeah. an overfill tank. So if it overfills, it just goes into the tank. So the swaps so. go back into the... Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's all good. Uh, all right. And then you cap it. Well, I put a cork in and then you capture... And then you, you use a capture spinner and you roll, seal it... <laughs> So that so the cork so do you physically cork it yourself or yeah. does it so you put the cork in and then you put it in a spinner yeah and that'll put the that'll put that'll that, pa- put the cap shoe in uh, so the cap shoe it. for anybody who's unfamiliar that's a bit of foil over that where you get the really good fun bit where you try and get your thumbnail when you get a new bottle of whiskey yeah. you're about to open to try and oh I hate that peel it off. I love putting the capsules on though it's so yeah. much fun so you get that and then you have to stick your labels on yeah and do you have a label so, sticker machine so we've got a little labeling machine that's okay. sort of as a semi-automatic because. Uh, labeling actually takes the longest. Uh, Getting uh, Well, that would be a problem for me. I've got no patience with that kind of thing, and I've not got the hand-eye coordination. Every single bottle would have <laughs> oh, a completely uh, unique, <laughs> <laughs> completely unique labeling on it. 
Uh, and probably as the batch, as the, as the the three hundred bottles gets on and on and on, the fuck it, that'll do attitude would probably start to kick in for me. Where it would be like, that's not straight. It doesn't matter. It's going in the box. It, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, you can't drink a label. Well, I mean, this is an interesting thing, but at the same time, you taste with your eyes, Woody, as they'll tell you. You know, if it's aesthetically pleasing. Now that's yeah, true. I've I've got a friend of mine. Uh, who I, I don't know the ins and outs of the full story but basically his grandmother owned a hotel in Iowa I can't remember which one it was I visited it when I was a youngster can't remember I had no inclination to whiskey at that point and uh, in 1990 or 1989 when he was born the Bo Moore distillery manager was very good friends with my friend's grandmother so his parents decided to put down a cask in 1989 of Beaumont. Oh. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that would interest you, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, now, uh, he then became 21. They, again, they weren't whiskey enthusiasts at, enthusiasts at that time. There wasn't really much of a, a sort of requirement for, you know, independent bottling or anything like that. But the whole point was, when this boy turns 21, it's going to get bottled and we're going to have a load of bottles. Now they bottled it, it wasn't it wasn't cast strength, so they bottled it 40%. Oh, okay. Now, this was a, um, from the colour, it was a, it, it was a rum, that's rum, it was a sherry cask mm. that was used. Now I don't know what size, but... Full what, maturation in sherry. What we know is a sherry cask would usually be a butt, mm-hmm. which is usually yeah. a larger. Yeah. I mean, what's a butt standard? Five, 500 litres. So, so 500 litres that's then been taken down to 40% to 40% mm-hmm. so they paid for the bottling I mean and butt holds alcohol quite well as well uh, so like a like a 30 old butt can still be like you know 59 60% really? yeah but it holds more fact <laughs> a butt holds a sherry butt holds I should say more for longer more yeah. alcohol for longer the, the alcohol evaporation is a bit slower but. <laughs> This, anyway. ca- this level of geekiness is always welcome on the Whiskey Stories podcast, <laughs> I can say. Now, so I don't know how many bottles he ended up with, but I do know that a pallet, or maybe more than one pallet, arrived at their house uh, weeks after it had been bottled, and they were like, <laughs> what the hell are we going to do all this? <laughs> this whiskey? Yeah. So they started giving it out for free, like to <laughs> friends. Like, here you go, have this. Here you go, have that. So I, and, and the label on the front, Right, they come up with a name. It was in like Comic Sans. Uh, right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was a it was a tall round with screw top, right? Mm-hmm. Tall round screw top with a label of him pulling a stupid face on his 18th birthday party and a picture of his grand beside him, right? right? That's kind of adorable. And they gave it out, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember like you say about you know you can't drink a label or anything like that, and I'm at the time wasn't really into my whiskies as much as I am now. I had a bottle of this in my kitchen cupboard for easily three years. Never touched it. It was Beaumont. At that time, I didn't like that stuff. Ironically now, really, really do enjoy Beaumont. Uh, smoky whiskey, don't really like smoky, peated whiskey, Isla whiskey, don't touch the stuff. That was the sort of attitude that I had. And, um, I took it to a party because guys that were going there I knew liked they like the Lafroy, they like the Lagavulin, they like the Arbeg, so I took it along. And everyone had brought a bottle. 
And uh, I says, right, here you go, lads. And they looked at it and they says, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> and they were a bit snobby about it. I said, I'll tell, I'll tell you what we'll do, lads, right? Why don't we try and put our whiskey bottles in order of price? <laughs> and, and see and of course I says on you go put it in price order price not that it matters but I said go on because the, the game was obviously you know my bottle every single time when everybody had to try and reach no no you would probably get more for that and this that and the next yes. thing my bottle consistently of the four was the cheapest that they would put I said, I said I'll have my shot they took my bottle and put it up to the top and they are like no way I said that there is you know that's a Bowmore 21 sherry cask mm-hmm. independently bottled I said that you get that in the co-op you get that one <laughs> you, you get that one in a whiskey shop or anywhere, but you can't find this anywhere anywhere yeah, yeah. why would they boil 40% uh, let it go no, no. I'm let it go so but, they had to chill filter it as well but I, I don't, you have to you I don't have to yeah. oh, I'm fundamentally against that but, but this is this is the thing it's like but it, it's, it's it's down to that lack of knowledge I suppose well this is it I mean it's lack of understanding from a distillery's point of view I think at the time an agreement had probably been made where it'll get bottled and it was like oh god we've got to put this cast through our bottling yeah it'll be a lot of hassle for the bottling plan to 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 be fair if I was 21 and I inherited that I wouldn't know what to do with it either I think this is it yeah somebody offered them I was an idiot somebody well I don't think you'll ever listen to this podcast if you are listening to this I'm not going to name you but I do apologise uh, it was a bit of an idiot, 21, and a collector offered them, I think it was something like two grand for two cases, mm-hmm. and he went, I okay, um, So because he, he was like, I'm 21, you're going to give me two grand, <laughs> someone's going to give me two grand, so you got two grand, so just for com- confirmation, what, six bottles per case, Yeah. so two grand for 12 oh. bottles, and then the guy was selling them for about 300 odd pound on on auctions and stuff like that. So I dare say there may be somebody maybe somebody listening. If somebody has that bottle. <laughs> I'm not gonna say the name of the bottle, I'm not gonna say the name of the person, but I will find it because I have found it online before and I'll show you guys after the podcast oh, yeah. Right, yeah. to show you what exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes to that. But I mean this is the thing, it's like um you know that's a that's a big process, isn't it, Woody? Yeah. And especially when your wife's away working, what is it you do, Megan? Then when you're working at when it's when you're working in the warehouse, when you're working in the bottling line, is it just all hands on, or do you have a specific role that you like to do, or something like that? On the bottling line. Well, just when you're working with the or when you're working with Woody, and not doing your day job. Oh, so yeah, I've done the bottling and uh, do a lot of sort of. Talk to the customers. Yeah, whiskey festivals. Whiskey festivals. Whiskey uh, help pick the casks that we're going to bottle. Um, looking through casks lists, like what's affordable for us, and mm-hmm. going around pubs and bars, seeing if take your stuff. It's a hard job. Uh, <laughs> trying it all at home and deciding what's good enough for releasing. Do you, do you drive the van? Uh, sometimes. Right, you've got a I very fetching like, van. It's have like you got a, a, right, they've got a, so I was on there. They've got a van in that maroon colour. Yeah, as really? well. Like, they, 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 Graham, Graham likes vans. Bottling whiskey warehouses and vans. So you've really hit oh. all. What yeah. kind of van is it? Talk it's, to me. It's a it's a twenty twenty transit custom long wheelbase double cab. Long wheelbase automatic. Bad in the snow, though, eh? 
Um, not had the pleasure no. of driving it. Ah, bad, it? Long wheelbase, you need a bit of weight on that back axle. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the van. <laughs> Welcome to the Whiskey Vans podcast. But 185 brake horsepower. Ah, so we say, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> no, the reason why we've got a long wheelbase is because I can fit more cask in the back. So, in case so we've you, got. You'll a, drive that with casks in so the back? We haven't done it yet, but we, if we had to. Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get them. We need a movement guarantee to move during suspended goods. Uh, but yeah, so that's the plan anyway. And on that van, you've obviously got Woodrow's of Edinburgh. Yes. Well, yeah. pr- proud yeah. sponsors <laughs> oh, of the Whiskey <laughs> <laughs> Podcast. Get that in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, what a fascinating insight that is. I mean, to, to, for the bottling side of it. Uh, one last thing is the other thing is I want to ask about you, you, Megan. You've touched on it there sourcing casks mm-hmm. right now as I say this must be a real tricky one for you guys particularly with like you know how far along the line are you buying the casks which means that yeah. when it comes to the purchasing yeah. if, if if I get the cask from the from the distillery or from the closest to the source yeah. there's my price but then if I use Angus to sell it, yeah. he'll stick his price on. Yeah, yeah it's usually ten percent or something. Yeah, yeah, and then Ross Bar might he Angus goes to Ross because Ross knows somebody. Mm-hmm. Ross knows Woody. Yeah. Right, and Woody's looking for a Bunahabin. And Angus has got a Bunahabin which I've got in my warehouse. Mm-hmm. So at my price, then Angus sticks his well, that's Angus, he'll stick 20 on it. Then <laughs> <laughs> we won't buy it. He'll stick 20 on, and then Ross is going to not want, he's not going to want to do this for nothing. Because no, we know course. Ross, he's got a wedding to plan for. <laughs> so, that must be a real tricky thing. And also then, getting offered it from, imagine if I offered it to you, because I know you pri- yeah. personally, so I'm yeah. saying, oh, you're looking for a bit of I've got a bit of And then you get contacted by Ross, he says, I've got a bit of And then maybe Angus even contacts you, I've got a bit of And suddenly you're being offered the same cast by three different people for three different prices. Yeah. For the cheaper one. Does that, does that happen regularly? Is that, is that, uh, is that, is that sort of... It does happen. Yeah, it happens. It, ha- it does happen quite regularly. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll know who it's coming from, so we'll get lists from different people, um, and we'll see this list and this exact cast. You know, it's got the cast number on the list and everything. Yeah. Like that. And you see this for this price, and you see it on another list for that price, and you go, ah, he's getting it from that guy. Yeah. You so know. you can actually. Be, have you, you ever see. been offered one of your own casts? Yeah. Back? So, yes. so this is the funny story. Is that the <laughs> so you know the first car that her first cast that we bought and sold it was a, tw- a, a 1991 Lingwood. And I offered it out for, say, 22 grand mm-hmm. into the market. And then I got offered back the same cask that I offered out. So you had the cask. You <laughs> owned the cask. It's like 33 grand to, like, <laughs> so to sell me my own cask for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's like, but it, it's like there's everyone adding the margin on it. And then, I, I got, yeah. So, so how, how do you, have you built relationships up with distilleries? Or are you still going through other independent bottlers and other, other um, sort of casks? I mean, we we like the salmon, so we just keep trying to swim upstream this of the supply chain. Takes time. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're trying to build a relationship with with yeah with with the distillers and with the with the sort of the more the like, closer to the source. Of course. Uh, at the moment, it's quite proven quite tricky because. Um, Whiskey is in quite high demand. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the big distillers are anticipating, uh, long term wise, uh, they're in- anticipating sort of increasing demand because of India, because of the trade deal. That the, the, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we've talked uh, about on the show as well. And then, like, hoping that China will, you know, get back there up again. And then, so they're 
they're sort of withholding a lot of the stock, so they're not really selling bulk spirit. To, yeah, so keep to, a hold of to, what they've got. Already. They will fulfil contracts with the likes of maybe well maybe not not anymore with uh, say Gordon McPhail but yeah like with they will fulfill those contracts filling contracts with with these like sort of bigger independent bowlers in McLeod and yeah um but yeah it's quite it's it's, it's quite a difficult time to go into whiskey of course uh, and do you, do you sample the whiskey before you buy the cast oh no or could you do you have to buy blind effectively yeah. Yeah. and then you'll buy and yeah so you'll even be buying them and you might get it and go that needs about wait we Greg talked to us about yeah. sometimes sometimes you open the cask up and go needs a bit more time the cask will still do a bit of work with the wood will still do a bit of work with the liquid mm-hmm. yeah. so we can shelve that forget about it for a year or two yeah. sometimes Some, I maybe go yeah. that's re-rack the, that the cask's yeah. finished we can't get any more out of that wood so we're going to have to re-rack it into something yeah. else and sometimes every now and then yeah, I think he said he had it with a manic more. I think yeah, it was. Gets the cask and goes that's just right just right get it get it get, get it in the glass yeah because it's interesting well, I always sort of thought that maturation is kind of linear, but I actually find that it goes like up and down in yeah. terms of like flavour. It's not linear at all. No. Yeah, so it's, terms, yeah. it's not, it's, it, yeah, so it goes up and down. It, it can vary every six months. Mm, so, yeah. But that's very small sort of movement, mm. but overall it's still going like... Yeah. Yeah. It's not an exact science as well. I mean, when we had uh, Megan um, Murdoch. Murdoch on, she had, gave, she had a... Two, two, two samples and she said taste this and taste that and try and tell me what it is and we were kind of going oh this one's this sort of wood and this one's another wood and this one's two years older than that and actually they were I think they'd be she said they'd been distilled they'd been filled on the exact same day they sat next to each other in the exact same warehouse in the exact, exact same thicker. wood yeah. exact same size but yeah two very different yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. whiskies at the end of it I mean, it's that's. I mean, that that's where I find it. As I say, um, you know, warehousing. I mean, do you have your own warehouse for storage, or do you use? So, so you've got. So you store casks in your warehouse as well. Yeah. So yeah. we have got a. Oh. So you've got a bonded. You've got your own bonded warehouse. It's yes, tiny, we do. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, a, it's about a thousand square feet, but we do have one. Uh, and and leith um, what kind of uh, so uh, yeah capacity how many casks does that translate to roughly probably looking at what well, we've got space for 36 hogshead or barrels mm-hmm. uh, and then we've got some rackings oh talk racking to me oh. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it the row on racking or is it just standard oh, palletized no, racking standard palletized ah, racking that I got for free uh, from oh that makes a difference because racking is expensive <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, but sometimes we just have cars rolling about on the warehouse oh floor as well. So, uh, oh. it smells nice. And how about what about your firewall? Is that, is that a big one that you've got between? Oh no. <laughs> so, so if you if your warehouse is smaller than I think it was say two. 10,000 10, square, uh, 100,000 square meters, 10,000 square. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need firewalls yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah, but square, are you not adjoined to another warehouse? Uh, yeah, but the, the the other, but we're only we're only a thousand square feet. Yeah, so you're so, okay. So we are fine. But majority of our cars are still lying all around different warehouses. And that's and just a, an atex rated zone as well. You've got there, yeah. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. so it's not it's not it's not particularly well we're not we're, we're not classing it as atex because we are we are achieving that you always have the door open yeah yeah so yeah, we, yeah. We, we use the natural ventilation to but if I, yeah, i'm sorry we're getting very very technical here <laughs> warehouses anyone any familiar listeners 
to this uh, podcast will know what warehouses do today. Um, right. <laughs> he prefers the warehousing to the whiskey. Uh, to be honest, like for me, the magic happens in the warehouse. That is exactly where it happens. <laughs> when you think about it, you know, some people will argue, oh, the, this whiskey, the flavour comes from the water that's filtered through the rocks and the glen and this, that, and the next thing. Other people will tell you that maybe it's the, the way that the, the, the distiller gets the... The, the sort of hearts of the of the liquid and, and the, or the yeast strain that goes into this. You probably know all this, Woody, from your time doing it. You're yawning me, Megan. <laughs> I'm busy by it. No, no, but ultimately... Yeah, she hates that kind of chat. But ultimately, I mean, you've, you've done the course, you've read the book, you've studied it. But for me, I have to say that, you know, the largest part of the flavour profile, in my opinion, will come from the maturation process. I always say 70% come from the past. There you go. And the thing is, what we know is that there are warehouses oh, all over the country that are just full of these whiskey casks mm. sitting waiting. Whiskey just waiting in wood to be sampled and drunk like we're doing tonight and enjoying. And that's uh, that's it. I mean, is, is there a lovely smell in your warehouse? Yeah. If you go in the warehouse, do you immediately go... Ooh, that's nice. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> I still do. I thought I would stop, but I haven't yeah. stopped at all. I'm quite used to it, but uh, yeah, sometimes you get a postie coming in and going, oh, the smell. Yeah, and do you get. <laughs> do, you, do you ever need an extra pair of hands for a bottling? I think there's got to be some content that we can get out of Angus trying to. Angus and I try to get that. The bo- the four. The four bottles on the on the head of the the bottling machine. Try to get them in and then have a go at the labelling. Give that a go. Why not? Aye, with the whiskey stories, Woodrose of Edinburgh official podcast whiskey mm-hmm. bottling, which is part of the deal. We'll get that. Sign. Don't worry, folks. We'll get that signed, sealed, and delivered before the night. Put that in writing. But look, it is uh, it is sort of a tradition on the whiskey stories podcast. The reason we we call it whiskey stories is when we've had some great stories from yourselves uh, tonight as well. But we do ask for the what three drams feature. Now, mm. I, I spoke to you earlier, Megan, about it. I don't know, are you going to do uh, a couple's what three drams where you've collectively done it, or do you want to do them as individuals so we're going to get six drams? Do you have your three picked out, don't you? Uh, yes, reluctantly, but yes. You have three I picked have out. Three. Right, so oh, we're doing the six well, let's drams. let's do Winnie, Megan, Winnie, Megan. Yeah, right. Winnie, Megan, okay, Winnie. yeah, let's okay. do it. Six drums. Let me write this down. Woody, drum number one, please. Uh, it will be a because I worked there for oh. when I was uh, as part-time business like tour guide. Were you the guy moaning at Angus about Rosario? <laughs> I was thinking no. that earlier. <laughs> it wasn't me. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, is it a particular Glencinchy? Um, just a Glencinchy twelve. Mm-hmm. Glencinchy twelve. Just, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's not. It's it's alright, but it's got, always got a special place in my. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, Glencinchy is very local to me, so yeah. But I grew up in Harrington, so. What yeah, do you think of it? Like? I like it, but again, I, there's a little bit of the so, heart ruling the head with yeah. it, when so it when comes did, to Glen because I have a soft spot for it as well. When did you work there then? Oh, I was when I was doing my master, so it was 2015. Ah, so you'd be too too long before you were Ross Barr's boss. Because Ross Barr, Ross Barr worked at he Lincoln worked at Glen oh, yeah. yeah, he was during during, I think during COVID. During ah, COVID. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe just before. Was it after so. the Johnny Walkers? Like the, uh, I think probably kind of during the renovation. Right, okay. It was one of his uh, thousands maybe, of maybe, jobs. Yeah. For a 24-year-old, I'm surprised he's never worked at Woodrose of Edinburgh, to be honest. He's worked <laughs> everywhere else. <laughs> there was a war named after me at Glen Kinchy Distillery because I reversed into the, the war in a car park. 
Yeah, I think I think it's still, but it's got knocked down because of the renovation. I was gonna say if you ever get an independent cask of Glencoe, you could just name it Woody's Wall. What's an idea? We have two casks. Oh, there we go. There you go. There you go. Provided by whiskey story. Now, Megan. Well, my first dram was this. I've already told the story. I was when I broke my whiskey virginity with the Lagavulin 16 Lagavulin. after five years in here, of in, in this very building, after being yeah. total for, for five years. It ruined my life. Are you still, you still a fan of Lagavulin 16? It's my favourite distillery. It's your favourite. Still, yeah. still my favourite distillery. You love Lagavulin. Have you, yeah. have you visited? We're going in May. We're going in May. I, I, I had the joy of myself and my current fiance visited <laughs> the uh, Lagavulin distillery and we went for a cask strength tasting Oof. at 10 in the morning um, yes. so there was about 6 or 7 cask strength whiskies. and I tell you it wasn't 35 gels, it was more. Was it? Uh, oh, they were, they were not, they were very generous. Home in bed for one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> well, no, because actually I, I was driving, so I hadn't, I just bottled them all into my little driver's oh, drivers yeah. for later. Right, yeah. And I said, I, I'd planned that after we went there, we were going up, there's like cliffs on Isla, that there's like a walk along the cliffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a good idea no. after six gastric whiskies. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Put it that way. Right, would Dram number two. Uh, it'll be the Rose Isle. It just blew me away. Uh, just yeah, yeah. one of the drams that I thought, wow. So where did you first try it? Did you did you get a gel a bottle of it yourself? Yeah, I did have a bottle at home, but we, uh, tried but we tried it. Tried it in, tried it in here. Yeah. yeah, we spend a lot of time here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we, we, so pro- we, we probably had a dram at the same bottle. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's just in- incredible, incredible yeah. jam. What do you like? What what is it that you like so much about it? I mean, you seem to be really drawn into it. So what is it that that Roselle have done? What what or what what do you it's like just, so much about it? it? It's just the, the, the fruitiness and the mm. and the and and just so well balanced. But I mean, like obviously, that's has got to do with the cast as well. But yeah. it's just very very well balanced, so easy to drink. Uh, it's it's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So, sometimes when you try it, you know, like a ten year old or a twelve year old whiskey, you, you try it and you 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 know. To use your brother's expression, you'd go maybe that tastes like whiskey. There's nothing immediately that kind of grabs you, but that twelve-year-old rose <laughs> immediately when you taste it, you yeah. get all sorts of flavors. But it's, at the same yeah. time, it's so obvious as well, so you yeah. don't have to sit there and guess. No, and, like, you're not. You're not like, racking your brain to kind of think what is it I get here. You're yeah. right. Immediately, it hits you, and you're like, it's a away. session whiskey. A session. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very true, actually. Yeah. That's very true. Right, Megan, dram number two. It's actually Woodrose. On brand. on brand. Oh, yeah. no, that's doing good. This. No, that's good to be on brand. Doing this. It's um, good to be on brand. But it's just I made a lot of friends through that drum. What was it? Which Mark, one? Mark Twelve. Mark Twelve. So was that one of your earlier releases? It was. Or? It was our second ever release, and I think it's what oh, put Woodrose nice. on the map. Yeah. Um, so what people started recognising us for initially was like, yeah. oh, Woodrose Mark like Twelve, and then people were like messaging us and things, and actually made yeah. friends through it. So like, how many bottles of that? So that would be a sort of 200, 300 200 bottle? 200 and something bottles, yeah. yeah. So even the fact that like that gets around and you're... So, that must be a really, really nice feeling when you've got people personally like messaging on Instagram. I made my best friend through that. Yeah, really? My current best friend. So how, how did you... Is it his current fiance? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. She's on the nice. Right, so how did you meet them? So uh, she... 
in I think it was in Ushkabe when that was still open she yeah. drank the Mortlake 12 and she messaged us and I think her wow in that email had about five wow a double yeah taste. so emailed me uh-huh. and asked for it and then we bumped into her at a tasting later and she was like how was that crazy girl that messaged you that email and that was it and best that was friends. best friends there so that go. was the Mortlake 12 so that brought us together stalker come friend yeah, pretty much yeah, yeah. 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 that's how I got to know each other right okay Good effort, right? Woodrow's Morlock 12, right? Woody, last one. Right, so it'll have to be the warehouse blend, the Woodrow's warehouse blend. It's not out yet. Uh, but you've, it's been created. It's been created. It's saying it being married in Cassidy be coming out in mid February. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you brought some samples with you today for us to try, haven't you? You told me not to bring anything. Well, buy one at the bar. I'll drop one off. You'll drop one yeah, off. No, no, I'll tell you what, that. Uh, I know, because it's just because it's our first sort of blend yeah. uh, coming out. Well, not first, but, you know, first proper, proper. And what, what, what do we know about it? What can you tell us about it? What's... Uh, so it's got... So it's a it's a non-age statement blend. Mm-hmm. It will be bought at 50%. Uh, it's got... Glenord has got the uh, Whitlaw, which is Highland Park, yeah. uh, Campbelltown blended uh, tea, like teaspoon Glen Scotia, and then ten uh, percent of it is a free or Glen Elgin. Oh wow! Uh, so it's a non-age statement because it's you know we've got some young younger component yeah, in it, yeah. but it's blended based on building that flavour and building the depth. It just it's just because it's our first sort of yeah. uh, proper. Release as a range, well, not a range, but you know, as a as a as a separate. And if it's not good, you just call it art. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is art. What do you mean? It's art. If it's no good, it's still no pressure. Yeah, it's no pressure. Uh, yeah. Right, Gu- guaranteed. Megan, last one. Uh, Strathila. Yeah, I actually really like Strathila, and I've never met anyone else that's a big Strathila fan, but I'm quite a big Strathila no, fan. No, because it's it's one of the flora and fauna Diageo. No, no. it's Shivas. Right, oh, yeah. Shivas. Yeah. Sorry, my mistake. What uh, is there a particular age statement or is there a particular uh, bottle? The one I fell in love with was their 15 year old single cask, all are also finish. Mm. Ooh. And I remember because we were went to the distillery, I'd never tried Strath Island before. Yeah. You were very sick that day. Yeah. So I was, we, I was driving and then the two of us went and you couldn't drink and I couldn't drink. We were in the whole distillery not being able to drink so I didn't know what the drums were going to be like. We went up in their little Woodrow's van I drove. And yeah. I got there and I was like, I can't drink. And you were like, I can't drink. So we're sitting there at the taste and you were an absolute mess. And I was like, mm, I don't it know if be. I like this or not. And then I got home. Well, I got back to the hotel and I drank it and I was like, Love this. That's nice. Yeah. I know. There I was like, go. okay, I really am a Strathila fan now. And is it a nice distillery, Strathila? It's beautiful. Really? It's the oldest in Speyside, I think. Nice. It's yeah. actually, I, I believe. Because usually right. when Ross Barr mentions the distillery, he talks about it being a dump. <laughs> I know. He always says, I dump that place. Aye. We're not going to get any sponsorship so, as soon as he's on the oh, podcast. Very nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah thank you. Nice. Thank you for saying I that. I believe the historian for Shivas, like the, the sort of file collector, mm. like, but I believe. That's where that's the distillery that, that person is based out of. Mm. Um, I've, I've I've had it on. I think someone explained that to me mm. uh, when I was actually digging in and looking for a little bit of history on the sort of mm-hmm. Valentine's uh, side of yeah. things as well and stuff like that as well at Milton Duff. But 
listen, how can anybody who's interested in getting to know a little bit more about you and that doesn't want to try any blended whiskey with ketamine? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> no, no. Teaspoon. <laughs> For clarity, I think it's very, very important uh, that you do not blend your whiskey with no, anything no, other than just no. uh, single malt and maybe grain. Um, whiskies but how can anyone get hold of your bottles how can anyone find you how can people get in touch what do you like what sort of platforms and channels do you use and how can how can people get to know so your brand we, better? we mainly live on facebook and instagram and we've also got a website with rosewhiskey.com mm-hmm. and it's got a list of stock lists that we work with the, the good ones um yeah. Mostly sell everything through retailers. We don't have our own online shop. Just so you don't have it. So it's through retailers. Through retailers. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Okay. Brilliant. And, and of if course, you go into a, like a brick and mortar shop, sometimes they will have the tasting stock for you as well. So okay. you can try before you buy because we really, really focus on the liquid speaks for itself. It definitely does. No, well, I'm I'm very much enjoyed both. I'd have to say if I was yeah. to pick a favourite, the the Pulteney. Definitely, the yeah. pony really. I mean, I, the, I really like the Glen Alicky though. I have I'm got a, big, you know, as a kind of. That's a sixty-two percent. Yeah, I was going to say that was quite hefty going that one when I first tried it. Maybe that a, a bit of water. I'm right with a cast strength. Well, you know, <laughs> I've been I've been wrongly and shamefully um, slandered on this podcast as being a sherry tart. So to, <laughs> to, to go against the sherry tart narrative, I'm going to pick my favourite tonight of the Woodrows has been the Pulteney. So that was a, is it a 15 year old? A 15 year old Pulteney, yeah. single cast. Bourbon. Bourbon, first bourbon. bourbon bag. Very nice, lots of sweetness. Really nice, really nice. And I actually, really nice to try, because I mean, we I've drunk a lot of kind of Pulteney 12, so to try something different that was really nice I really enjoyed that actually well you've been listening to the Whiskey Stories podcast thank you very much to Woody and Megan of Woodrose the the best podcast sponsors we've ever had on the show and yes it's been (laughs) fantastic Uh, if you want to try and if if you have listened to us before please or you like what you listen to please give us five stars like and share pass it on let your pals know if you know anybody else who likes a bit of banter, likes a little bit of chat, thinks that what we're talking about isn't actually complete nonsense, then please pass it on to other people. The more we we grow, the the more we can offer for our listeners. And and you can find us on Instagram as well, where we're at uh, at the underscore whiskey underscore stories. That's it, yeah, that's it. We we still need to get a better. (laughs) We need to get a better. But you'll find us on Instagram. Thank you very much for Thanks very much to Megan and Woody. All the very best. Thank you for having us. Cheers, guys. Thank Thank you for coming. Bye.